0: The Mishnais have gone very much sidetracked to list many different laws where we find a similar format of two different things, where one of them is more inclusive and really where one of them would guarantee that the second thing is also present. Whereas the second thing can exist even without the first thing. The example of this Mishnah concerns Peir. Peir is a corner of one's field that he is obligated to leave attached to the ground without harvesting it. And poor people are able to come and take that produce for themselves. This is one of the gifts that the Torah prescribes for giving to the poor. The Mishnah teaches that any produce to which the obligation of payer applies, the obligation of meisras separating the tithes for a koyen levi or a poor person, also applies however there is certain produce that one would be obligated to separate tithes from, and yet the obligation of payer to leave a corner of the field unharvested for the poor to come and collect, that would not apply. And this is based on the fact that the missionary right at the beginning of Masechus Peyar teaches that in order for Peyar to apply to produce, five conditions need to be fulfilled. It's got to be food, it's got to be owned by somebody, it's got to grow from the ground, and it must be that it's the type of produce that is all harvested in one go, and it needs to be something that can be stored for a extended amount of time. If those five conditions are fulfilled, then the obligation of peril would apply. On the other hand, the Mishnah, right at the beginning of Masechus Miserus, teaches that there are only three conditions for something to have Miserus applying to it. Firstly, it has to be food, it's got to be owned, and it must grow from the ground but the last two conditions that are needed for something to be obligated in payar do not apply. So it emerges that there are going to be a number of types of produce for which the obligation to separate tithes will apply, and yet one will not be obligated to leave a corner of that field as payar. Mr. Zion, the Torah commands that one is obligated to give a portion of the wool that he shears off of his sheep to a koyane. And this entire obligation, called Rishis Hagez, only applies to the wolf from his sheep, not to other animals. There is a different obligation that the mission is going to compare to Rishis Hages, That is, whenever somebody slaughters his domestic animals, that includes sheep, goats, or cows, if he slaughters them in order to eat them, there are three parts of the animal. The front right leg, the jaws, and one of the stomachs of the animal that he is obligated to give to a kohen. This is another gift that the kohen receives. And the Mishnah teaches, Kol Shechai B'Reish any animal that the obligation of Reish Sageiz applies to, that you need to give a part of the wool to a kohen. Matonais, the obligation of giving the gifts of those three parts of the animal upon being slaughtered, also applies. Essentially, the Mishnah is talking specifically about sheep, because that's the only animal to which the obligation of Reish Sageis applies. But there are animals to which the obligation of matonais, which refers to the three parts of the animal that are given to a koem when he, the animal is slaughtered. So there are animals for which that obligation applies, but the obligation of reish sageys, of separating the wool and giving it to a koem, would not apply, because that only applies to sheep, whereas the obligation of matonais applies to sheep, goats, and cows. Every seven years, there is a Shemitah year that requires all of the produce that grows in Eretz Israel and is owned by a Jew to be left for anybody to take. It's forbidden to work the land. You're not allowed to prevent other people from taking the produce which grows in your field. And there are also certain laws... ...that apply because of the sanctity that this produce has. For example, it's forbidden to do business with this produce that grows during the schmitt And in addition to that, there is an obligation of beer that states that... ...as soon as a particular type of produce is no longer found in the fields for the wild animals to eat... ...once that produce is no longer available at all, even for the wild animals there is an obligation for that produce which was brought into the house for people to eat to now be destroyed. As soon as the produce is not available outside in the wild or for animals to eat, there is now an obligation to destroy that type of produce that somebody still has in his house. And this is the obligation of biur, which literally means to destroy or to burn. Now, the Mishnah says, because she beer, any... of produce to which the obligation of beer applies yes the laws of schmidt will apply it's forbidden to do business with such produce as well as the other laws that apply due to the sanctity that schmitter produce has yes yes but there are certain types of produce that grow in the field for which schmitter applies the ainoid beer however the mitzvah of beer doesn't apply simply because they are always found in the field this type of produce is always available for the animals to eat outside, in the fields, in the wild. And because of that, the mitzvah of beer simply never arrives and it would never really apply. Mishnites, the Torah says that in order for a fish to be kosher, there are two requirements. It must have fins and it must have scales. The Mishnah notes, fascinatingly, that any fish that has scales on it, has fins. There is no such thing as a fish that has scales, but does not have fins. On the other hand, There are fish that have fins and yet do not have scales. And what this means is that if somebody sees a fish with scales on it, he is able to eat it because it certainly had at least fins. There's no need for it to have fins on right now. As long as it's a type of fish that has fins, it would be kosher. So if you see that it has scales, then you're able to rely on that and eat the fish. On the other hand, if you only see the fins and you don't see scales, so you can't automatically assume that it had scales. Now, one could ask an interesting question, that if every single fish that has scales automatically has fins, why does the Torah need to say that in order for the fish to be kosher, it must have fins and scales? The Torah should have just said that the fish needs to have scales. And automatically, that would include fins. The answer, the Gemara explains, is that if it only would have written the word scales in the Torah, one might have wrongly translated that to refer to fins. So in order to avoid such a mistake, the Torah wrote both fins and scales. Another answer given is actually in order to show that the Torah is coming to tell us this fact of nature, that you'll never find a fish with scales that does not also have fins. Alright, right. And the next example of the Mishnah is kosh yeshle kainayim, yeshly tlofayim. Any animal that has horns also has split hooves. And this, of course, is relevant to know that the animal is a kosher animal. In order for a regular animal to be kosher, there are two requirements. It must have split hooves and chew the cud. So if the animal has horns, we are able to know from this that its hooves are split, however it's possible for an animal to have split hooves and yet not have horns. For example, a pig that is such an animal that has split hooves and yet it does not have any horns. Some explain that this fact that the mission is talking about, that an animal that has horns always has split hooves, might only be talking about more wild animals. There's a discussion as to whether we're talking about all animals or just wild animals as opposed to domestic animals.